This is the Storyline Podcast. My name is Mike Krieg. We are accelerating mission from the global church. All right, with me today I have Stephen Suka from Uganda. And Stephen grew up in a town called Jinja. Yes. Is that right? Yes. And he has been uh, a pastor for many years in uh, Uganda, and um, he's actually hanging out with me here in Austin, and we were talking about different ways of uh, partnering with him and how we can help to come alongside him to mobilize the Ugandan church. And so it's very exciting. There's a lot of things that are happening in Uganda. And uh, But first, before we jump into talking about the Ugandan church and, and uh, going to the nations from Uganda, I wanted to ask... Stephen, um, to share his testimony. Stephen, first of all, hello. What's up? How hello, are you doing? Hello. Hello, Mike. Thank you for having um, me. So, Stephen, um, why don't you just share with us a little bit about your story? Um, by the way, Stephen's been, he's, he's been in the U.S. for about, what, th- has it been three weeks? Yeah, three weeks now. Are you tired yeah. yet? Are you still jet lagged? getting tired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's kind of at the tail end of his trip, and so he's had just a great whirlwind visit here, but... Um, yeah, Stephen, just tell us, uh, how did you come to know Christ? Tell us yeah. the story of, of, of your faith journey. This is interesting, uh, how I got to know Christ. I, I grew up in a Christian family. Actually, my father met the Lord the year I was born, so that's uh, very historical for me. But I grew up in a Christian family from Uganda, and uh, we lived in Jinja, and uh, where my family is Anglican, uh, which is like Church of England. But I went to a Catholic high school, and uh, while there, I became the leader of Catholics, and I became Catholic. But in my last year of high school, uh, there are students that came from our biggest public university, and they came to Ginger, and so they invited the youth to come back in the evening to meet the youth, the, 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 these young students. And uh, I was the first to reach there, and uh, I had a conversation with this vet student, which was very argumentative, but I I don't know how it happened, but at the end of it all, I confessed Christ. And uh, from that point on, my life has never stayed the same. I, I went back to high school to finish my exams and uh, uh, graduate from high school. And then I got a scholarship to go to that very university where those students came from. And I was introduced to uh, a Christian university mission called Jesus is King uh, Missions, and uh, I was exposed to so much uh, in terms of my spiritual growth, but also uh, being uh, a witnessing for Christ where we went for missions uh, at the end of the semester and sometimes even weekend uh, missions. So that's how I met the Lord and how that's how the Lord has been working in my life. Uh, and you know, Stephen, tell me a little bit about Uganda, sort of the cultural or kind of the worldview. What 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 has been? Um, I guess what's the origin of worldview with with the Ugandan people? Like, are they traditionally more Anglican Catholic? Like, what's the what's the history? Like, the spiritual history a little bit of of Uganda. Does that make sense? Yeah. I yes, yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, I understand that very well. I Uganda is. Uh, uh, before missionaries came, Ugandans uh, were believing in uh, ancestral spirits. 
Okay, animism. Yes, mm -hmm. yeah, which is the Africa traditional worship that was predominantly there before missionaries came. And it was intertwined with the, uh, the leadership, which was in terms of kingdoms and uh, chiefdoms. So, okay. so chiefs uh, were really like this, the heads, and then they had also uh, spiritual leaders who were answerable to the, chief, to, to the chiefs and to the kings. Okay. So everyone was involved in that. And then one king from Uganda invited the missionaries yeah, in the 18th century. So the first missionaries mm -hmm. came from England by the Church Missionary Society. And then the Catholics also came from uh, France. And then now many more missionaries began to come in. So now what the church is faced with, even up to this point, is that uh, because the traditional worship was uh, deeply intertwined with the people's way of life, uh, that the clans, the names were all uh, connected to people's uh, culture and to the spirit worship. That, in a way, has still kept uh, coming up because people might be saying, I'm a Christian, but when things become tough, they say, I better go back to our ancestral mm. spirits because it seems they'll be able to solve this problem. So, so to be clear, uh, many people, they, they literally believe that their ancestors can be accessed. Yes, so they're, yes. they're praying. Uh -huh. they're, they're praying. Are they doing anything else? Like, would they sacrifice anything? Yes, or? they go. They would go to the shrine and do uh, sacrifices. And uh, in some homes that are not strong Christians, they always fall back and do a shrine behind their house. And okay. from time to time, they would do sacrifices. So either to fight misfortune in the family or to sacrifice to be successful. So, so is, is ancestral worship different from animism? So, sort of the idea that there's the God is in everything or there are multiple gods everywhere. Is, is, is that uh, it, it is actually di different from other tribal? It's different from animism. Uh, for it, it is rooted in uh, our forefathers. Uh, four who believed in certain gods. For example, we have gods who are gods of the lake, yeah, uh -huh. and they are named according to the lake. They are given okay. a name, okay? Wow. They are gods of uh, fertility and different gods okay. of that kind, gods of prosperity. So th that's how it was structured. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's fascinating. And, um, Missionaries came in the, in the uh, you said, I think, the, the, the 17th century, the 18th century. Yes, 18th century. And things yeah. began to change. And so yeah. what is it like today? Is it just a mix of ancestor worship with some Catholic and Anglican influence? Just kind of a mix today? Is that... Well, well um, <clears throat> Uganda has experienced, has experienced something very spectacular. In the uh, 60s and 70s, uh, we had an inflow of uh, evangelical missionaries coming in. Mm -hmm. uh, it's true we had the traditional churches like the Catholics and the Anglicans, but they reached a point where they were beginning to become religious, and they became really religious. And now there came a group of uh, a, 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 an inflow of evangelical missionaries from Canada, from the U.S., yeah, and and some from Europe. So these people they began to spark off the evangelical movement. Now, the evangelical movement was very dynamic and charismatic. Mm -hmm. So they were flowing in the, uh, the, the power of the Holy Spirit, miracles, signs and wonders. And so there were so many young people at that time 
that mm-hmm. got baptized in the Holy Spirit and they began to be passionate for the uh, for the work of God and formations and they began to spread out in the whole of Uganda and even outside Uganda and they began to preach the gospel. Now, the Evangelical Church is the fastest growing denomination in Uganda okay. at the moment. There's a lot of church planting, uh, there are a lot of uh, evangelical uh, outreaches. Uh, we used to have so many open air meetings, which mm-hmm. we call crusades, mm-hmm. uh, but now that has changed. So now it is going into church planting and even use of media and also house to house outreaches. Okay. Yeah. And, and how many people live in Uganda? There are about 45 million uh, people in Uganda. Uganda is, has one of the fastest growing populations. And uh, 80% of our people are less than 18 years of our population. 80% of the country yes. are less than 18 years old? Yes. Whoa. Now, how we is that possible? We have a big young population, very big. Wow. Yes. That is incredible. I've never heard a statistic like we that. We have a very big young population. That very is big. amazing. And um, how many different languages and um, people groups are in Uganda? Is that something that... Yes. Yeah. We have 50-something languages in Uganda. 50 plus. Okay. Yes. Wow. So many. Most of these languages are related. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They have a very close relationship. Okay. So it could be like maybe 60% related to each other. Okay. Yeah. And, and there's quite a bit of English being spoken. Yeah, uh, English is the formal language of instruction, especially in schools and even in offices. Uh, and uh, so, so many people get to speak English. Even those who have missed education, they, they, they don't go to school, they get to understand a bit of English. So English is, is spreading out almost everywhere in our country. Okay, and so tell us about, um, tell us a little bit about um, your vision. I, um, you, I know that, so currently you, you've planted a church. Yes. And you're also um, doing quite a bit of mission mobilization in yes. Uganda. Yes. First of all, um, why mission mobilization in Uganda? Does, this is a question a lot of people sort of ask, like, hey, doesn't Uganda need more mission inside Uganda? Don't you mm-hmm. need more churches? Why in the world are you thinking about yet this idea of sending Ugandans mm-hmm. to the nations? Like, where does that come from when surely you must need more help to reach Uganda, right? So how do you answer yeah. that question? Yeah, that, that's very interesting. But uh, uh, first of all, I believe that uh, God has called Uganda in a unique way to be uh, a, a sending nation. To the rest of the world and why do i say that because uganda is a, is kind of in a central position where so many countries in that region of east and central africa are coming to we have people from kenya coming to uganda we have people from south sudan in uganda we actually big refugee population in uganda from south sudan we have people from somalia who have been in uganda since the early 90s we have uh, people from rwanda who are Ugandans, they're also Rwandans, and they keep they have family on in Uganda and in Rwanda. Mm-hmm. We have people from Congo who some of them have lived in Uganda since they were born and their families moved and people keep going back and forth. We have people from Burundi. So uh, all these people have come and converged here in Uganda and the church in Uganda has been so dynamic and so uh, uh, charismatic that these people keep inviting uh, people from Uganda to go to their countries. 
mm-hmm. and do revival meetings there, do outreaches there. And that has been uh, the starting point of God sparking of uh, Uganda to be a sending nation. But personally, uh, God called me and gave me a vision to take the gospel to Asia. And uh, so I, it was something that I was struggling with to believe. But um, with the conversations that I've had about Uganda and what God is doing, I have developed the faith to believe that it's possible and God is doing it. And, uh, and uh, we are planting this church, which is two months old. Uh, and uh, this church is going to be a missional church, which is going mm-hmm. to be ascending church, training missionaries and sending them in Uganda, in Africa, and even in Asia and to the rest of the world. Yeah. That, that's awesome. And t- tell us about your recent trip to Thailand and how that all came about. Yeah, uh, in response to the call that God gave me when I was in college in the year 2002, uh, it was my second year of college, God showed me a vision and showed me a big billboard that had faces of Asian people and then below it were two faces of African people and uh, I recognized one which was my face and the other I couldn't recognize it but I assumed that that face is uh, the face of my wife. I hadn't met her even by then. Uh, And um, so at one point it felt like this is like a myth. You are following uh, illusions. (laughs) You don't know what you're doing. But God kept, you know, prodding me and uh, telling me that I needed to fulfill that calling. And so I kept praying and uh, uh, talking to people. And my pastor really inspired me a lot. And um, and, uh, so somehow in 2016, uh, to cut the long story short, God did something uh, and uh, I had pastors talking of a pastoral conference in Thailand and I, I, I asked them and so they gave me the contact and I was given an invitation for a pastoral conference in Thailand and God made a way in miraculous provision. My first time to travel out of Uganda to go to Thailand and while I, I went there, I kept telling God, I don't know anyone, I will not, never go to Asia. But the moment I landed in Thailand, there was a pastor there who is uh, almost my age and he said i have been praying for a brother from uganda and this was very moving for me because i had kept telling god this is not possible i not i don't know anyone and that point on for the next three days while i was in thailand i kept repenting telling god have mercy on me for being uh, to have uh, to be doubtful and have all this unbelief and thinking that this was too big for me to accomplish, yet mm. it is part of your agenda to, to fulfill uh, your global mission, uh, even uh, using someone from a third world country to go to a more developed country and take the gospel. So that was very humbling for me. So with, with the church plant, with this new church that you planted, um, how is that church different from maybe some of the other churches in Uganda? Like what what? Talk, talk to us about the DNA that you want to, to see in that church. Yeah, uh, people plant churches for different reasons. And uh, I myself, I didn't really even want to plant the church because I had been part of a church which we had planted from scratch in a, uh, in a uh, suburban, suburban urban area outside of Kampala, which uh, uh, had I'd been plastering for seven years. And it was a lot of work planting this church. So when God talked to me to plant a church in this community called Buyera in Wakiso district in Uganda, I was very, very hesitant. And it took me three years 
before I could take a step and say, let's go plant the well, church. Well, in, in this place too, it's worth noting, like this is where you used to go to get food for your family. Yes. You, you, you went there because you were planting bananas. Yes, I went to right? that place to plant a, a garden of bananas so I could get food for my family. And uh, I thought I was just going to plant bananas and then God began to speak to me you about... You, you were thinking the harvest would be bananas. Yes. Jesus said, uh-huh. no, maybe the harvest is something more than that. Yes, and it's, <laughs> yeah, it's really, and it's already beginning to show because uh-huh. God has brought children, kids, he told uh-huh. us to reach kids now. Kids are our biggest uh, attenders of church, mm-hmm. more than the adults. And we know that those kids, they are going to be the missionaries of tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I have actually begun to watch some specific kids because I want to keep my eye on them because I know what they are going to turn out into. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's yeah. incredible. So tell us about... Um, the ministry of mobilization why do you we've talked about this before but why do you feel like mobilization is such an important thing for the ugandan church in general and why is that why are you so passionate about mobilization why are you really spending a lot of time trying to develop a ministry of mobilization yeah that's interesting when i was responding to this call uh, to take the gospel to asia i at first thought It's going to be me and my family moving out there and uh, go as a missionary. And I was trying to figure out how that is going to be. And then God opened my eyes when I went to Thailand and said, you've got to raise missionaries because what you're going to do is big. What I'm calling you and what I'm calling Ugandans to do is actually big. So now I began to develop the heart of, let me begin to reach out to young people and reach out to other churches and other pastors and we begin to uh, spark off uh, a mission movement mobilizing people from uh, different backgrounds we have now a growing middle class uh, a group of people who have gone through school they have a college degree we have many of those those are the best people that Uganda can have that can uh, take the gospel to the world Mm so mobilization has begun like that for me uh, changing from the mindset of thinking I'm going to go there alone and do it because God has called me to. Mm-hmm. There's a whole lot of people that God has called and I just need to show them how to do it and help mm-hmm. them to do it and enable them to do it and God will use them. And I think it's it's really been exciting. We've been working with um, Stephen to uh, equip him in the use of the Storyline Seminar and so he's been using storyline um, and training other facilitators in Uganda as one of the tools mm-hmm. um, for mission mobilization and, and uh, Stephen have you found that helpful I mean just and if so what are some things that you feel like people are learning from that mobilization tool uh, that that's helpful in your vision to mobilize like what how does that fit into your kind of your, your strategy for mobilization. Yeah, uh, mobilization is, uh, is, is something that is quickly gaining ground in Uganda. Uh, before that, it wasn't there. People were just struggling through, not knowing how to do it and what to do. So it was a challenge. Now, uh, God blessed me to meet Mike when I, on my first visit to, uh, to the U.S. Uh, in the year 2018, in the summer of 2018. And uh, so we began to do the storyline seminars and people's eyes are literally being opened to a world which they literally did not know. Uh, they don't know that every one of them 
God had called them to be part of God's global mission. So some of them thought it's just the pastor, maybe the church ministers. Mm. Now, out of this, people are getting on fire and say, oh, all along I've been pursuing my own story. I've been pursuing Mm -hmm. my own desires, my own dreams. And yet God has this big dream, which I am part of and I'm responsible to. And now I I need to begin doing something. Mm-hmm. And some of them thought, well, I need to be a pastor. And the storyline seminar is opening them up to understand and know that they can be a sender, they can be a goer, they can be a prayer, they can be a welcomer. They, they, can, they have a part to play, mm-hmm. regardless of what position they are, what job they do, and their economic, socioeconomic status. Yeah. And Stephen, where, where are some of the places that the Ugandan church is looking to? Like when... When Uganda or Ugandan church, or maybe specifically your church, mm-hmm. when you guys send people, um, I mean, I know you're doing domestic church planting. I know mm-hmm. a lot of folks who are mobilized will stay local mm-hmm. and reach out to young people, make disciples of young people in Uganda. But but when they go internationally, when they go outside of Uganda, mm-hmm. um, what, where are the places you guys are going? I mean, you mentioned Thailand, and mm-hmm. that's part of your vision. Yeah. But where else, like maybe within Afri- on the African continent, or elsewhere, do you feel like it's a good place for Ugandans to go because of some cultural advantage or political mm-hmm. advantage or whatever? Yeah, um, Uganda is uh, uh, is getting a lot of inflow of people from uh, surrounding countries, first of all, but also of people coming from outside of Africa. Uh, for example, we've got a very big Chinese population that's mm. coming to Uganda. Many of them are not Christian, but they have come to do business. They bring mm-hmm. in goods into Uganda, they're into construction, they're into hotel business, they're into grocery stores. The church is beginning to have discussions on how to intentionally reach those people because they are working with Ugandans. Mm-hmm. And they are going through challenges that uh, uh, where they need God. Uh, we believe that those people are the greatest uh, agents of the gospel to take it back to their country. So we are beginning to have conversations of how to reach Chinese. Uh, we have people from Somalia. Uh, I went to school with two, uh, a, a young man and a girl from Somalia. And by then, I really didn't know what to do. That was in primary school. But uh, right now, the church is beginning to reach out Somalis in a certain, who are concentrated in downtown Kampala. And those people are going to take back the gospel to, to, to Somalia. And yeah, yeah. That's amazing. So Somalia is, um, I mean, Somalia is fairly close by. Uh, yeah, yeah. A couple yeah. of countries over, but it's not yeah, too yes. far away. Yeah. And Somalia is primarily a Muslim yes. country, right? Somalia is primarily Muslim, and it's, uh, it's uh, the home to a terrorist group called the Al Shabaab. Al Shabaab. Who are still fighting the country. We have Ugandan troops in Somalia trying to pacify the country. Okay. And that has actually been an advantage uh, for people to go to Somalia. There are Ugandans who have gone to Somalia to take the gospel to Somalia under the protection of the, uh, the peacekeeping mission in, in Somalia. And, and now th- my understanding too is, is Sudan is directly to the north of Uganda. Yes. But there is a history of violence between the two countries. Is that, is that no, right? No, uh, no, no. There, there is no a... violence between Uganda and South Sudan. The violence has been uh, ethnic uh, uh, rebellions between the South and the Arab North. 
Ah, okay. So, yeah. it, so South Sudan is yes. is it Christian? Yeah, it's Mostly Christian. Christian. Yeah, it's Christian. They speak Arabic. There are also Muslims in South Sudan, but uh, the population in South Sudan is the Black Africans, and the population in the, in Sudan, the north of Sudan, are the Arabic Africans. Okay, and they're still fighting to this day. No, they now Sudan, South Sudan has been broken off from the rest of Sudan, but they still fight for the oil-rich regions of uh, of uh, that are the border between okay. South Sudan and Sudan. That's amazing. Yeah, well, I think it's a, it's incredible to think about the Ugandan church and where they're going and yeah. where God is calling them um, into Asia, parts of Africa that you know a lot of Westerners may not think about or maybe can't go I think that's amazing to think about yeah, that yeah um, how can how can uh, people who are listening to this podcast how could they pray for you and, and for your church yeah um, one of the things is a uh, uh, missionary mobilization and mission sending is not something that happens overnight it takes uh, careful planning, it takes prayer, it takes preparation. So uh, in terms of uh, my own view, uh, we need to we need prayer because mm-hmm. prayer will keep us focused, it will keep us intentional. Two, we need the training, we need to get Ugandans trained. Mm-hmm. We thank God that we have the Storyline Seminar and uh, we want to take it deeper because it helps us to mobilize and uh, draw people's hearts and passion towards missions. But now we need to equip uh, Ugandans, give them sound doctrine, uh, give them the ability to handle intercultural and cross-cultural relationships so they're able to uh, effectively uh, minister and take the gospel to anywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. Well, Stephen, thanks for being on the podcast. It's great to see you here in Austin. Thank you. And hopefully we will do this again in a little bit of time and we can hear about the progress of your local church and mobilization within Uganda. So thanks a lot for being here. Thank you for having me. All right. Yeah.